I watched the movie Ed Wood. Is that a movie? Is it new? or? It is not new. Okay. It is by Tim Burton, and it came out in 1994. That is not new. And it is about Ed Edward D. Wood, who is widely acclaimed as the worst director of all time. And Is this a real person, or is it a fictional character for the movie? I thought it was a fictional character for the movie. It's a real person. <laughs> okay. And they like there was a couple movies that like they kind of followed him the making of and he's played by Johnny Depp and it's all in black and white and Edward is a cross dresser and it's like this whole thing and like <laughs> I don't know it's it's kind of fantastical because I watch this movie and I'm like wait was he a real he wasn't a real person all this is a joke and then I go <laughs> and I look up these people they're all real wow and I was like what this really <laughs> happened and he has this movie that's like called Plan 9 from Outer Space that came out in the 50s and I just, I really want to see it. <laughs> it's one of those, like, this movie is just so terrible. And it's like, by the worst director of all time, I feel like I have to watch that it. That sounds like something you would be into. Because, like, he was just so passionate about making these movies. And, like, that's what he wanted to do. And he did it. And he didn't let anyone stop him. And then he started drinking and died at the age of, like, 45. Oh. Well, that took, that took a turn. <laughs> yeah. But it's good, though. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a good movie. Huh. There was a there was a quote in it, and I think I tweeted this out, and I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I think you did tweet it out because that's where I was remembering Ed mm-hmm. Wood from. Yeah, it was uh, visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams? And that was an Orson Welles quote to Ed Wood in the movie, which I guess is actually a Tim Burton line because Tim Burton wrote the movie. And I don't know. I thought that was kind of uh kind of interesting. It's like you have all these things that you want to make and want to film and want to shoot and you know, create and use all this cool gear for. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like, don't let anyone else stop you. If you want to make a thing, like stick to it and get it done. Even if this guy's like the worst director ever or whatever, he was doing what he wanted to do. He's directed more movies than I did. Yeah. Yeah. You need to get on Ed Wood's level. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully like a a little better. (laughs) But still, I know. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that's cool. I like it. I also had something I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, hit me, hit me up did, with that. Did you see Potato Jet's video where he showed off his bedroom studio setup? Uh, I did, and then I immediately went out and bought uh, 55-inch TVs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need this in my life. <laughs> so if anybody hasn't seen it, we'll put it in the show notes, but he released this video where he showed a bedroom setup, and he got three 55-inch TVs, and it, it, they were on sale. So it was like $1,000 or something all in, and he put them vertical next to each other and basically made a fake window in his studio. So behind him, like off to the side of his desk, he has these three monitors and he can put images up on them that are like a, a cityscape or a landscape out in you know the middle of nowhere or whatever. And it looks like a window. It's out of focus in the back of his frame. So you don't really see that it's a TV. And there is still like a frame between the TVs, but it looks like a window frame. And the whole thing just works really well. I thought it was super cool. Yeah, he was talking to someone on the phone ahead of the interview and asking him like, hey, how do I make a video wall or whatever for my office so that I can make it look like it's a window or something? It's like, oh, yeah, that's going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> and so he did it for way cheaper. And I thought that was cool. And he showed off some footage from like studios where there are, they have, you know, here's a light set up and, and here's this wall behind it. And we use like the parallax effect when we move the cameras and the wall and we have these motion tracking sensors so that everything can kind of move together. And that reminded me of the, the Jean Favreau Unreal Engine thing that they did for The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. where they had like the set and then the set kind of bleeds into these these walls and they like live render the background yeah. as they're shooting the camera. And so they can 
kind of like trick you into thinking, you know, what's behind them is, and it's just like the live time green screening basically, yeah. but it's not green screening because they're not swapping it in post. I don't know. The, that technology is getting really cool. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, only going to get better. I like it when movies like shoot on location and there's like no special effects and everything's made out of rubber. But I, I appreciate like the new technology and being able to like, hey, we set this up in a studio and I mean, they can they can make anything. Yeah. That's yeah. Man, that's really cool. Well, and this thing in his video, it was like obviously laughably lower budget than what you're this, what you're describing. You know, like this was probably fifteen hundred dollars, you know, for everything he used. Right. But it seems like it really can increase your production value, and it's a clever idea, and like I mean, that's not something that would have been possible 10 years ago. In his video, the difference between, like, okay, here's the shot, now I'm just going to, like, light it and set the background and everything, and then he sets up the scene, and then he shoots it, night and day. Yeah. And it's like, whenever he, it's in the shot, and everything's framed, and you're using all the, whatever, Hollywood magic, where you're showing what you want to show, and everything outside of the frame of the camera is, mm-hmm. you know, all set up. It's it's pretty cool and yeah. it looks fantastically fake and I love it. Yeah. I mean, it looks fake but like in a way that's still pleasing to watch. Yeah, I mean like it doesn't look fake, but it is fake. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's cool. And I, I really liked his idea of, you know, he, he captured all this drone footage himself and and then he's just feeding that back into the TV. Yeah. And so it's just all, all stuff that he shot. Yep. From places that he's been and I don't know. Yep. I kinda I kinda wanna do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I have a 55-inch TV and I've wanted to upgrade, but it's it's kind of like I'm in that spot where I can't really justify upgrading because the old one's still good. And what would I do with a 55-inch TV? Now I know. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I wonder if it's like you have to get the scaling just right for it to seem appropriate. I'm sure it takes some experimentation, but it, it's, it clearly seems possible. Because mm-hmm. I'm wondering like, they have those Samsung frame TVs mm-hmm. that are made to look like wall art. Yeah. Could you make a frame look like a window since it's already framed and it's already thinner? And if you just had mm-hmm. one of those lying around, just throw, throw a curtain around it or something? Maybe. I do uh, think one thing that helps is getting getting enough background separation that you can get some blur. Right. That, that seems like necessary. Well, but he was. Doing... But you don't want blur, right? You want it to look like a window. When you look at a window, yeah. it doesn't. You're not looking at a. At a blurry image, and you That's almost true. have to have it as completely in focus. He he was shooting in a room that was about twelve feet mm-hmm. uh, long, which is about the length of the room we're in. So Whoa. it's not not that big. Um, but yeah, I thought it was cool. I mean, as someone who used to shoot a lot of videos in the same room and was constantly kind of struggling with everything looking the same and looking too sterile, I just thought it was really cool. I kind of wish I had thought of that. I, I probably would have done it. I mean, I think you should just get a green screen. Yeah, just just go all in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you already got those roller things. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, get one that's green. <laughs> it's that easy. I was talking to somebody yesterday and it was it was work stuff. And I was like, man, if, if COVID had, had just kept on, kept it on, I feel like I would have gone down a rabbit hole and I would have bought a green screen and I would have started green screening myself into places in meetings because like everyone's using those fake backgrounds. I would do it, but with an actual green screen. <laughs> <sighs> I'm glad that I'm glad that that's kind of fallen away because i would have just kept yeah you would have been you would have been too deep it would have been it would have been ridiculous i would, it would have looked like a studio and people were like why why do you have all this be like, like i can't i can't help myself guys, guys i'm sorry i need to push this meeting back 30 minutes because hair and makeup's taking a little bit longer than i expected <laughs> yeah glad that didn't happen <laughs> welcome back to the camera gear podcast i'm daniel and i'm lucas and we're back today to talk more about the gear we use for photo and video So what are we actually talking about today? 
we have another it's not an episode this is the episode this will be a segment we have another segment of lucas's legendary lens library no try again layer no living room no (laughs) that's too casual list list lucas's legendary lens list that's such an obvious word how could you not think of that before just you know what this is this is uh i'm gonna write this down Okay, not gonna forget that next time. Okay, this one is titled Helios Prime and the Swirly Boys. <laughs> it sounds like a mystery. Okay, I want to talk about the Soviet Russia 44 2 Helios lens. I feel like I've heard of that. Tell me more. I want you to open up one of these links that I sent you. Okay. And I want you to describe for all the people who can't see because they're listening as an audio only podcast, describe to me the the bokeh effect of this lens it's it's pretty trippy i don't even know how to describe it but it's like the very center of the frame is in focus Mm -hmm. and then everything else around it is is like you twisted it like you just took your your camera and just like tilted it to the right or to the left and you got this weird like trippy hypnotic like all effect all the all the bokeh balls are cat eye yeah nothing's nothing's circular and it's almost like you like took a like a dodge brush or something Dodging is that burning thing, isn't it? No. Whatever. When you like smeared it. Yeah. But it's like it goes in a circle around mm-hmm. the outside of the frame. Would you say it's almost like swirly? Uh, it, it, it does. It does look a little swirly. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is a weird effect. I don't know how I feel about that. It makes you feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? A little bit. Yeah. yeah a little bit. Mm-hmm. Some people like to feel uncomfortable. That's why we all watch horror movies. We don't all watch horror movies. Anyway, point is we all watch horror movies. Like in the 50s, 60s time frame. The Helios kind of borrowed some lens designs from Zeiss and made this Soviet version of these Zeiss lenses. And they came out with a lot of different focal lengths and stuff, but the most popular of which is the 44 millimeter. And the 44-2 Helios lens, which is basically a ripoff copy of, of the Zeiss, but in a shorter focal length, has this really crazy like swirl effect. Yeah, yeah, it's a very stylized look. It's, v- it's very stylized. <laughs> and, but because of that, and because of, you know, kind of the movement of, of vintage lenses in the last, whatever, 10 years or so, and even before that, if you want a certain look, you know, you, you got to get the tool that gives you that look. And this Helios lens is like the lens that, you know, paved the way for that weird swirly bokeh look. And so people will buy these lenses and they'll do all kinds of crazy stuff to them. Because you can find a used, you know, Helios for, geez, like $75. Oh, really? $100. I mean, they're, they're like super cheap. Yeah. And so people will change the lens mount on them. They'll convert them to whatever you can buy one in XF or EF if for someone who's converted it. People will put... You know, like the the shape of a of the aperture on an anamorphic lens, how it's like a like a teardrop or oblong shape. Yeah, they'll put those elements on the back of the glass so that the bokeh then becomes even more anamorphically <laughs> shaped. Yeah, because it doesn't look weird enough already. Yeah, so it's like this plus like a the the stretchy anamorphic bokeh look, and so they'll do that on a Helios, and they'll crop it to, uh, to scope, mm-hmm. and Man. it looks insane. I think there's somebody that puts uh, gears on them too, right? For yep. like focus and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I mean, there's all kinds of mods. People will do like tint mods on them so that they have like a certain color cast. They don't. You can't make it an anamorphic lens because it's like you can't do the stretch, but you can make it look like one. Sure. So we'll do that. Some people will have a uh, like body mounts to them, which that's not new. Uh, I watched a video from GX Ace on this where he had some old glass, which is basically the same as some 
I can't remember if it was like Hook or somebody else. It was some other old uh, cinema lens manufacturer. And it was like, here's the photo version. Here's the cinema version. Mm-hmm. And he got somebody to rehouse all of his lenses to be in the cinema housing. And it like tripled their value because oh, it's like the exact same glass. It's just now here's the cinema version. Hmm. And the cinema lenses are just always crazy expensive. Yeah. But people will do that to these Helios lenses. So you can get them with the geared housing and all mm-hmm. the back focus stuff. And those are like, you know, a few thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. But it has this certain look to it. And it's like a Pretty whole cool. modding community about them. And they're, I mean, these are from whatever the 60s and the 70s, but they're still pretty famous when it comes down to, you know, if you're looking for a vintage look or you want something unique and you're looking into vintage glasses, it's going to be the first thing you come across probably. So why do you not already have one of these? <laughs> I've come I've come this close to buying one <laughs> so many times. I mean, how much does it cost to get one with the XF mount? I mean, I found one on Amazon for $140 just now, and I almost, I almost insta-bought it. I don't know why you haven't already bought it, Yeah, honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm almost certainly going to get one of these at some point, because uh, they are super cool, and they have this really wild effect to them, but yeah, seems, I mean, seems neat. it feels like the perfect thing for Lucas's legendary lens list. It does. It do- I've, I mean, I've heard of it, mm-hmm. even, and, and yeah, it's... It's interesting, and it's unique, and uh, yeah. there's not much anything else like it, and... Yeah. That's what, that's what we're here to talk about, Daniel. We're here to talk about lenses that are making a splash. Yep. They're, I mean, they're legendary for a reason. They are. They are. You're going to have to get this lens. Yep. We talked about the Noct. And we talked about the Helios. Can't wait to see what's next. Get excited. I love it. The next one. I'm not I'm not going to give you the title. These titles are bad. I need to rework them. All right. They're not as Take good as Take that Helios. back to the workshop. Yeah, we're taking it back to the workshop. Not as good as uh, Helios Primus Rolly Boys. Well, you've got at least another week to figure that out. At least. So this has been Lucas's Legendary Lens List. See us next time on the Camera Gear Podcast. <laughs> I feel like you need some like intro and outro music for that section or something. We'll start working on it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, let's talk about something that was made in this century. So we've had this actually on our list for a while, and we keep pushing it off, but we need to finally talk about it, and it's the DJI mic. <laughs> that has been on our list for like three weeks. And so you say, well, we've already talked about the DJI mic. We've talked about it several times and we have. But, but Daniel, we've already talked about the DJI mic several <laughs> times. <laughs> but now they have a new budget kit out. And so we wanted to talk about that a little bit. And the budget kit seems like it is essentially the same as the version that's already been out, except that it only has one transmitter and it doesn't have the charging case. So you get one transmitter the receiver, all the wires and stuff you need, um, everything you need to mount it on the camera, and you get like a little drawstring carrying pouch. But you don't get the second transmitter and you don't get the AirPod-style charging case. And for not having that, you save about 100 bucks because I think the standard kit is like $330 and the budget kit is 220 So I guess you save $110. So what do you think about that? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm trying to... Like if you're really on a budget and you only need one, yeah, there are, it's a hundred and ten dollar difference. I just looked this up. If you're only on a budget and you only need one one receiver, they, I guess this makes sense. It makes it more cost competitive with some of the other 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 similar things. I've been doing a lot of price shopping around for tran for a transceiver receiver combo because uh, I'm gonna admit it here. I'm a little jealous of your uh, DJI mic because how fantastic it is and how. Oh boy, has it made things easy? Yeah, jeez, yeah. like it's very good. We, I think we used it on one one of my last videos. We've done three interviews with it. Yeah, boy, is it easy, yep. man! And it sounds good. And you can, you just slap it on there, golly! And then it records locally and it records to the thing. And so it's like you got a backup. You can feed it into the camera. And most of the transceivers that I've been looking at, 
they don't record locally. Yeah. And so if like you lose connection, you just lose audio. You have mm-hmm. no backup. Well, and we've used that local recording a few times. Like if we're doing like a story type video, then mm-hmm. sometimes you want to get some B-roll yeah. of the person doing their thing. And we can just put that transmitter on them and have it locally record while they're doing stuff. And you get some really natural sounding audio. And they and, don't have to think about it yep. because you can hit record from your camera. Yep. And rec- oh, geez, that's and, just, just and, so good. And you can have that recording. And then while they're doing their thing, you can walk around with your camera and take a bunch of short B-roll clips. And you don't have to worry about having the record button pressed on your camera to get that audio. It's just great. Yeah. So that's, that's why I haven't gone off and bought like the Godox transceiver receiver package thing because... I mean, it's it, you have to have that line of sight, and if you lose the connection, like you don't have that backup, and it it feels yep. worth it to me to pay extra money. And now this, uh, you know, cheaper kit is even closer to that price. I mean, you're yep. comparing one eighty to two twenty. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fifty more dollars to get the ability to record locally to the to yeah. the uh, transmitter. That feels worth it. Feels totally worth it. But now you only have one instead of two, mm-hmm. and that's kind of my problem with this whole thing. Is like it doesn't seem like you can buy another transmitter yeah i don't think you can which like to me that would be the thing it's like buy this use it if you like it buy the whatever another uh, transmitter and then you know expand the kit yeah but you can only buy the one that comes with one or the one that comes with two from what i can tell mm-hmm. and if you have the one that's with two and you buy this you can't like have three all right, of a sudden right and so that seems like a seems like an issue yeah i wonder if they'll ever change that it sure would be nice it, you know it, it's kind of hard to say i mean when when we've used it so far, we've done one interview where we had two people being interviewed at the same time in almost a conversational style, and we did use both of them for that. But most of the ones we've done, we've really only needed one of the one of the mics because you know we're doing something that's like a you know like an interview or like a story type video. Like you could imagine like a business if you wanted to say like you know we're going to make this two minute promo for a business. You're going to have a clip where you interview the founder or whatever, but you really only need one mic for that, and that's kind of the sort of thing we're talking about. And we've only needed one. So, I mean, when I think about it, I feel like I might have gone with this whenever I was shopping for it. Really? It, I mean, it's hard to say, but, you know, you do save a hundred bucks, which is not insignificant. And I think you still get a lot of the value out of it. I, I think you get more than half of the value. Man, for me, it's it's it makes it really weird because for something that's $220, that's not a small amount of money. Sure. But it's low enough that I could probably justify buying it. Like if I had a project coming up and I'm like, man, you know what? It could be nice to have this. I'm just going to buy it. And I'm going to use it. And it's going to make this project better. But for $330, that's over that line. Yeah. It, feel, it feels like a bigger investment. Yeah. Like you're not going to buy too many $300 camera items in a given year. Mm-hmm. So like to me, this one kind of pushes it under that line. But the upsell is so apparent because having the charging case and being able to just take all three deals, stick them in the case and they start charging. Yeah. That's that huge. Nice. You don't have to plug in separately to a USB-C to the mm-hmm. transmitter and USB-C to the receiver. That's kind of a pain for this. So the charging situation is worse and you only get one transmitter Yeah, and you can't upgrade to two transmitters down the line. So if you have this and you decide, man, I really need another transmitter, you can't even just buy another one of these because you would have to, like you'd have to then have two you have two audio inputs basically because you'd have two receivers and that's not going to work i mean you could buy another one of these uh, like you can probably pair the transmitter to a different receiver oh uh, yeah i guess that's probably so true. so you could just not use the other receiver but that it feels wasteful it does feel wasteful and so it's like what do you what do you do you can't it's like not there's no upgrade path and that's my mm-hmm. problem it's like i would happily buy this to get into the door 
and then six months down the line, spend another $150. Yeah. Even though it's like, it would have been cheaper to buy it all together, $150 to get the charging case and a second receiver. Yeah. Or a yeah. transmitter. Yeah. That, that would be nice. I wonder if they're not doing that because they want to push people to buy the more expensive one, you know, could, yeah. could be, but. But it makes it pretty obvious to buy the more expensive one. Cause like getting the charging case and getting the second transmitter that is absolutely worth $100. You're probably right. You, you see this so much with stuff like this where you can nickel and dime your way up to a really high price because you start out saying like, well, it's only $50 more to go from this Godox thing with no local recording. Like I can just pay an extra $50 and get this budget version mm-hmm. of the DJI kit. And you say, all right, I think that makes sense. Let me then like, let me see what their, their options are. Oh, I can spend another $100 and I get a second transmitter and a charging case. I think that makes sense. And then all of a sudden you're spending twice as much money. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's tough. Uh, I mean, there's and obviously like in between here, like you don't have to, if you, you could go with um, the road option and like the road is $300 mm-hmm. with two and then with one it's, it's 200. Okay. And so you, I mean, you could just save the money and go with the road and that one may have better expandable capabilities. I haven't yeah. looked into yeah. that, but. I can't remember why I didn't go with that one. You know, I looked at both of them whenever I was shopping and I I can't remember what the big difference was. Honestly, can't remember either. I've watched a lot of like comparison videos and stuff. The DJI is like obviously better. I think the mics on it are a little better. Mm -hmm. The way that the windscreen clips on is less annoying and less likely to break. Yeah. Uh, I think the local record features and stuff like it has some features in it that just Mm -hmm. make it nicer along with slightly nicer microphones and it has that and it has that fancy charging case. Yeah. Like to me, if I was picking between the two, I would I would probably go with the DJI over the road at the high level. But for the lower end, and I haven't looked in, I should have looked into this before we jumped on the podcast. But it seems to me like the comparison between the one and the two transmitters for the road maybe makes that a little a little more obvious as like a has an upgrade path. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. The one fatal flaw of that DJI mic is that it doesn't seem like it's compatible with all lav mics. I had yeah. I had one that I had owned for a while that was you know it wasn't cheap it was like a forty or fifty dollar lav so you know not high end but not not a bargain basement thing and that just did not work with the DJI mic I kept getting these high pitched sounds and I mean it would just completely ruin the recording and I did some research and it sounds like other people have had this problem too and there's a, a specific lav that a lot of people recommended that works it's made by Sure and it was about seventy bucks and that one works perfectly and it's probably a better quality lav but I think it's worth pointing out that if you want to get the DJI mic and if you want to use it with an external, you know, wired lav mic, you might end up having to buy a separate mic to use with it than whatever you're already using. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's just not a guarantee. Yeah. That's... Now, now when you've used it, you've just used the built-in mic. Right, I have. Doesn't the Rode come with a microphone as well? It might. I'm not sure if There's it does some, some of them do, and yeah. I, I kind of get in a lot of these mixed up, but basically like the Rode and the DJI are the only ones that do the local recording. Yeah. And But you're right, I've only used the mm-hmm. on-body one, and... In the latest video that I just posted uh, where we were doing the firmware comparison test, the DJI mic has it has like magnets. And so you can kind of put the magnet on one side of your shirt and then just magnetizes to it. So you don't have to worry about like clipping it and, and you can just like magnetize. And I, I was like, I was sprinting and rolling in that video just to like test the autofocus because what else are you going to do? Didn't lose the mic one time. Those yeah. things hold. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good test for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, if what you're wanting to use it for is vlogging and that sort of thing. 
just using the mic that's built into it's going to work great. I mean, I think your audio always sounds good. There's no problems with it. And the only real reason we use the Wired Lab is if we're doing something like a more produced interview where we don't right. really want to have that, you know, that big receiver thing on the person's chest. And so uh, I think it's useful to have for that. But, you know, you do kind of mentally have to add that cost to it if that's something you're going to want. Yeah, it, totally, totally. I'm looking here to see if you can buy a, res, a, a transmitter only, like one additional transmitter for the road system. And it does say that you can pair an additional transmitter to it. So if you buy the one-in-one and then you just have another transmitter on hand, you can pair to mm, it. Interesting. But it doesn't, I'm like having a hard time finding where you can buy just straight up one transmitter. Yeah. So that may or may not work that way. I am mostly curious to know if the DJI works in that way. Yeah, well... It's like maybe you could buy one on eBay or something. Yeah, I mean, I know that the transmitters have a pair button on them. So you're probably good. Yeah, so I'm pretty confident you can do that. There's no way it's like a different product. But then, how you can, then, you have to, then you have to have three USB-C chargers. Yep. I mean, assuming you're assuming you're running through your batteries and assuming you actually need to charge everything at once. I mean, maybe you do sometimes, but I don't know. Have you gotten a better grasp of how well those batteries last yet? Because no. I, I mean, I mean, it, to me, it feels like... They last a very long time. I mean, we had one thing we did where we were running a lot of local recording right. and we did run it down. Yeah. And it, it like ran through in an hour or two. And I was, yeah. I was shocked. It was. But yeah. There's been other times where they just like, you can't kill them. Yeah. And I, I feel like I don't have a grasp of like what modes use the battery worse. Mm. Like if you're locally recording, is it worse than if you're transmitting? Well, and I also wonder the situation where we ran it down, the person at times was pretty far away oh. from our camera. And I wonder if it was trying to search for signal or something, and if that was a problem. That I, that sounds very likely. Yeah. It would be interesting to test. I I think I would have to artificially test it because just the situations right. we've been in have not been situations that really pushed it to the limit. Right. You're just going to do it, Daniel. Yep. You're going to do a systematic test, and we're going to have to film the whole thing. Yep. And then share it with the world. It'd be good to know. It would be good to know that. But, you know, the, the I guess the advantage to the charging case is if you're doing something that's going to be across multiple locations or if you're shooting all day or something, you know, you can always just pop it in the case for a while to charge. If you only need one of the transmitters, you can pop one in the case and use the other one to record, which is what mm -hmm. we did in that situation. Yeah. So I guess that's another strong reason to have two transmitters. Mm -hmm. Plus, oh man, plus that charging case. Jeez. Yeah. So... So much value. You're kind of convincing me here. I, I felt like I would have gone with the cheaper one, but I think you're right that you do get a lot more for that extra hundred dollars. Well, like that that's my problem is for everything that I would almost everything that I would use this for, I don't really need two. Yeah. But it's I couldn't I can't justify going with the single over the dual because of all the added features. Yeah. I mean I, I probably I could justify it. I could totally justify it. I just can't help myself because I really I really like camera gear. <laughs> and I'm just like but this one's better. <laughs> our our eternal struggle. <laughs> oh, it's just the worst. It's, I mean, it's the problem across the board for everything. It's like I could totally get by with this Mac M1 Pro MacBook Pro, but like, what if I got the Max? <laughs> and then what if I got the M2 because the battery's a little bit better and oh, it's got Wi-Fi six E and oh. it would just it would, it would be so much better. It's just, and it's just a few hundred bucks. It's just it's just it's the same stupid thing as this microphone where it's like. Sure, this stuff would be nicer, but do you really need to spend an extra hundred dollars? And yeah. the answer is no. And you yeah. should save twenty bucks and just buy the road one, and get the road single for two hundred. Maybe that's what I'll do. That one feels maybe more expandable. But man, the DJI one's just so much nicer. Yeah. Ugh. This makes me so mad. I often feel with this stuff that there's. I mean, my my phrase is buy once, cry once, and I feel that way about this. Where 
I always find myself thinking, you know, am I going to buy the cheap one and then regret it and wish I had spent more? And then maybe eventually I do spend more and then I've spent more overall. And that's kind of at odds with another idea, which is like trying to hit the top of the bell curve where you can always spend more money and get a product that's a little bit better. But at some point you're spending a lot of money to get a five or 10% improvement. And this is one of those things that's really hard to nail that down. You know, like is the $200 road or the $180 Godox, is that the top of the bell curve? Or do you really get more for your money with the DJI? And I don't know. And that's that's hard to say. I am looking here on eBay, and I was totally listening to you. And I found some pre-owned Rode Wireless Go 2 with both transmitters for like 180 bucks. Um, here's an unopened one with a single for 160 I mean, if you're looking at 180 bucks, that is close to half as expensive. Man, I, I wonder how much the DJI's go used. I'm not going to yeah. look that up right now. But it seems like if you're looking for a deal, he could probably find some used versions of these yeah. and get into that sub $200 range. And to me, maybe like that's the answer over this one. I would rather have like a used version of something that has both transmitters. To me, that's more important than getting sure. a brand new. Sure. I agree with that. But I do think that I do think that DJI has the lead on these specific systems. Yeah. At least comparing them to Rode. I mean, like other people make stuff like Godox. I think D80 makes some stuff, mm-hmm. but the DD stuff is way, way more expensive. It's like professional level. This, this is professional level too, right? I mean, you can use the professional stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But like reporters and, and yeah. professional interviewers. I don't and, think this is professional. I think the DJI mic is like the prosumer, you know, like high end hobby level, like I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, you, yeah, that's, yeah. Like you can use it for, per, like you can use whatever you have to make money. Sure. Like the whole del- like delineation of like, is this for pros or is it for not? I mean, that's, it's all kind of fuzzy, but I mean, to me, it's like the pro thing is you're using it every single day yeah. and you have to rely on it. Cause if it breaks, yeah, then like you're out of serious money and you have a problem with the client. And it seems like all the pro ones aren't like the DJI where they record locally. Like they have their own little pack and you have to put the pack on the person and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, I think there are advantages to that approach. I think you get more for that money in some ways, but bottom line for me is I think these products are super useful. I think anybody doing interview type work, making videos about people, I feel like something like this is well worth it as an investment. It's, I find it to be easier to set up than trying to set up like a shotgun mic or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Like, I mean, we've talked about, or I've been talking about, you know, potentially going like a mission trip or something to do, you know, like, hey, let's get some video and do like a really good version of this interview and tell the story. And something like this would be way better for yeah. that sort of thing of like, just easily like you're just like put this on the person they mm-hmm. don't have to think about it you don't have to wire up a separate lav yeah. like it all just gets way complicated you, once you get into the pro gear you don't have those, to think about room treatment like yeah. everything's just easier any any of that running gun stuff where it's like i gotta get this i gotta get it quick and it's gotta be good mm-hmm. like this i mean this is this is great for that and plus it's like relative to other production level i mean we're i've just been talking about how expensive it is but like if you're on a production level stuff this is kind of cheap. Yeah. And you could probably afford to, you know, have a handful of them and like magnetize them to different things. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. Yeah. And you could just like magnetize it to a car. I mean, I, I have thought about that because I thought with this thing supporting local recording, it's no longer just a lab mic. It's also just like a tiny little field recorder. Is this like, is this like the GoPro of microphones? It kind of feels like it. Yeah. Because, you know, if you think about the cost, to me, like a, a competing setup to this for something like an interview would be using a shotgun mic and then running it into a Zoom. Because most mics need phantom power. Like you need something that 
that can do that. And so a yeah. zoom is a, a pretty good way to do it. And the mic that we both, the shotgun mic we both have is decent quality and it's like $180. And then the zoom, you're looking at 200 at least. You need a cable, you need a mic stand. I mean, that's more expensive than this DJI setup. What what I want is this DJI thing, but with 32-bit float. Oh, man. That would, that would be it. be pretty cool. You know, not, not wireless transmitting, but Zoom does make a Zoom F2, which is a little, like, body pack lab-style recorder that really? does 32-bit float. Really? Zoom? Yep. So... I just... I can't get like, over this that's Zoom like, stuff. That's, that's so like good. local recording only. But, okay. Yeah. All right. This is... Oh, man. Look how tiny this is! Um, now, it's pretty expensive. I think, is it three fifty? Oh, hold on, wait. I have to accept these cookies. Oh, uh, yeah. Cookies are the chocolate chip. Yes, please. Uh, two nine two twenty nine. Oh, okay. it's the same price as that. Uh, that DJI wireless deal. Yeah, pretty interesting. Mm, so, man, you know, Ooh. you you lose some ability to do the. You're not getting it into your camera, so sure. you you have to sync your audio and post. You don't have the ability to remotely start the recording and all that. I mean, I think there's some disadvantages if you're doing something like an interview. But if you needed like a little field recorder or if you're recording yourself, that thing's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So like some problems there, you can't. So like if you're recording somebody else, them having to press record, no go. Yeah. But if you're recording, like if if you have more control over pressing the record button, boy, something like this Zoom field recorder for the same price, like having 32-bit float. That just saves your butt. Yeah. I mean, used to be like you have to do the dual gain thing and the high low and whatever. Mm-hmm. But thirty two, man, that records every yeah. every audible sound on the spectrum. Yep. Pretty pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. There's been it seems like Zoom has come out with a lot of like thirty they're like the whole thirty two bit float thing, they're rolling that out across the line. Yeah. Like they released whatever it was like three new hand recorders. This isn't even on our topic list. There was it was like the M2, the M4, and the M6 or the M3 or yeah, something. Mm-hmm. And it's like an on camera and then it's a hand recorder with a microphone and then it's a separate hand recorder with a microphone. Yeah. And most of these will do like up to two XLR inputs, maybe one for one of the smaller ones. But 32 bit float, it's got a microphone on it. You can run a mic line in. And yep. those things are those things are great. They seemed like they were kind of aimed at like I, I felt like they were aimed at like a musician type use case well sure yeah a musician but also you know like maybe you're interviewing somebody or something yeah, like that yeah. i mean they had the on-camera version of it so yeah, you know did. vloggers and that sort of thing yeah. too it needs to come down in price a little bit i would love to get one of the uh so so like the one that you have is you have a zoom h4n and Pro. i have an h5 which mm-hmm. which are just kind of standard field recorders you get two xlr inputs uh you know pretty basic uh, type thing, but just kind of good for general purpose. And I want them to come out with something like that that does 32-bit float because right now they have a Zoom F3 that I think sort of does the same thing. And there's a F6 maybe, but, yeah, but those, those things, things are, are huge. The F3 is not that bad, but they're oh just, wow, that's actually really cute. These things are just expensive. It's it's perfectly square. <laughs> oh, I want it now. Look how adorable it is. It looks like what I would imagine a uh, like a like a BS1H. Like the box camera of the S1H, but in microphone, microphone shape. <laughs> I feel like anything that's that's made for shooting movies and films and stuff should be in a box shape. Yeah, it's just just a bunch of cubes, just, just taking cubes it's just, everywhere. It, 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 it's, it's, I'm like looking at it now. It's exact. I thought this thing was way bigger because I've only seen, I haven't seen the pictures in context. I feel like I should have looked into this more. The width of it is as wide as two XLRs next to mm-hmm. each other. Yep, they seem pretty cool and. And ones like that are useful because if you need to put it on like a car or something, it's small enough that you could actually get it into some pretty small spaces. So, I mean, they're they're pretty neat. 
This dude is using it as a wrist strap. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> It'd be so cool. <laughs> Lucas, what's, why do you have an XLR cable going down your shirt and your pants to your ankle? Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Just got a field recorder strapped to my ankle. <laughs> People think you're on like work release from prison or something. <laughs> <laughs> Too cool. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Like the advantage of the field recorders that we have is they have a microphone on them mm-hmm. and slightly different than the M series because they're more for, it's just slightly different purposes. But I have more than a thousand times, a thousand and one times actually, have used that to collect sound for, for things, for video or yeah, whatever. environmental sounds. Yeah, it's like, well, I, I just like, sure, I could connect my microphone to it and whatever, but the mics on it are good mm-hmm. and they're directional you can set them to 120 degrees or 90 degrees and like it's adjustable on and you can go out there and just you know collect what all the sounds that you need for your video on yeah. site and then you like you just have them and it's i mean it's, it's fantastic for that and then plus you can run your your all your your two lines into it and so it's like all you need for you know quick setup shoot simple subject stuff i agree i think uh i think it's super useful if they came out with an h4 h5 that was 32 bit float and if it was like the same price you know like 250 or something i would probably go for that i think it'd be worth it i do want one of these zoom f3s because of how adorable they are <laughs> what, what's the price on the f3 350 dollars. it's like 32 bit float it's got like a bar on it it looked like it has two bars on it because you can wear it as a wrist strap or an ankle strap but I mean, you could also wear that on like a belt or something. I mean, you could just have it everywhere like, you go. I bet I could feed the strap from my uh, Peak Design bag through it. <laughs> Man. So this is this is only two tracks. So you get those two XLRs, but that's all you get, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why we like. I mean, that's what we're talking about, right? Is you need you need it to come down because the field recorders have like they, you can run lav in and you can run line out. And it has two XLR slash TRS. You can plug either one into. And this has that too, I think. Let me look at these ports one more time. This is good radio. No, it doesn't. So these are just XLR mm-hmm. versus like the H5 and the H4N Pro. You can plug TRS or XLR into it. And then it has a microphone on. It's like way, way more versatile. And you can also pop the microphone off of the whole microphone assembly can just come off of the H5 and the H4N Pro. And then you can run something, a different microphone into it or like a, a lav input or whatever, right. or can, like a shotgun. Right. So it's way, way more versatile. So I'm with you. Like this F3 has been out for a while and having something like the capabilities of this built into something like an H5 body would be way more appealing. It, it basically feels to me like right now I could not, I think, I think that something like this could solve most of my uses. But right now, I don't think I could get rid of the H5 if I got something like this. No, no, it, it, it's lacking. It's lacking too many mm-hmm. of the features, a cu- despite a couple, it being super, super cool. A couple of quick things I want to mention about it. One is that although this one does not have this, the Zoom F6 can be powered off of an NPF battery, which <gasps> I think is super cool. But what I really wanted to say was that these support Bluetooth and there's an iOS app to control it. And Android, uh, and so you can actually like start and stop recording remotely, and that that seems pretty handy. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, with the with the belt strap on it, that means you like just strap yeah. this to something and then run uh-huh. the mics out there, and it just sits well, there. Well, and that's you can the point. Stop recording. That's the point, right? Because it's a field recorder, and yeah. so it's like you could put this on a car or something, sure, and then you can start and stop the recording. Nice remotely i need something really? i need i need ways to strap my my h4 and pro to things i mean there's always duct tape gaff tape yeah you're right Man. 
Did you see that it has the, uh, it shows you the waveform as it's recording? Mm-hmm. That's also really cool. Super cool, man. What I, what I really want out of a Zoom is for it not to take a hundred years to turn on and just just to perform a little better. You just need a different one, man, because mine doesn't do that. Yeah, mine, right. mine boots up very quickly. I mean, it's like I would love to upgrade to something. If, they, if Zoom came out with a similar, you know, H4, H5 style, the H style, where it's a hand recorder yeah. and like it has so many of these capabilities, but with 32-bit float, I would start considering upgrading. But certain things like audio gear like this, it just lasts forever. I think I've had mine for like four years yeah. or more. And like I bought it, I bought it used on, and it's just, I don't know, they last forever. It's funny because uh, I, I think you're right. And I actually think 32-bit float is probably like one of the only things that's happened in the last 10 years that has really improved audio gear to any extent where it would make sense to upgrade. Yeah, like your upgrade path is usually, you know, or does it have better, you know, preamps? to you know run the mics or you know like maybe my mic has really high impedance or something you know so like does it have those electronic capabilities the the thing like the dual gain that was kind of new for a while where you can yeah. record to two separate tracks at two different gains mm-hmm. so that if this one clips you can pull to that one Which but if by, feels- the, by the way another thing that dji mic can do you can record a safety track what okay that's cool like is it to, is it to both or is it i mean it just feeds it into like another channel like here's left channel here's right channel don't right- know exactly how it works but something to look into you need to start testing this thing out i need to know how good those batteries are and i need to know how this dual channel thing works because that's like that's that's like your i don't have 32 bit here's my other option yeah and but now like i mean we talked about it before but i was like you know, looking into the 32 bit it's like why is this so cool and it's like you know if you mapped every level of audible sound to a bit value 32 mm-hmm. bit encompasses everything that can be supported by earth's atmosphere yeah <laughs> so unless you're recording in outer space then 32 bit floats got you covered yep yeah it's awesome technology and i mean i guess what i i mean obviously i agree with what you're saying that if you need better preamps or something you can always spend more on audio gear like you can always upgrade for that reason but if you have something like a Zoom H4 and you're happy with it, it's not like we're discovering new sounds, you know, like like it's still going to be as good in 10 years as it is right now. Right. But stuff like the 32-bit float is a legitimate improvement to where it feels like, okay, this was this is worth upgrading. This is a major step forward in, in the technology. Yeah, I definitely agree. Oh my gosh, that's what the strap's for. You can strap it to a boom pole. Oh, there we go. That's it. I mean, like you have one pole. What if the, man, I want... I want one of these to run on a V-mount battery. I mean, Do, does this well, feel? It, does the F3 have a D-tap? No, but I mean, it has a it has a a DC in, so you're just one little adapter away. I mean, that this that's is, that's possible. This is the life I want to live. I'm not like a sound guy, but if I was a sound guy, I would have a boom pole with a Zoom F3 strapped to it and all the wires configured so that it was like my magic wand, <laughs> and I didn't have to have like, I mean, okay, we, whenever we, whenever we did. On that one project, guy had his little cute little pouch, and his pouch had like all of his audio gear in it. Yeah, his little fanny pack. Man, that was really cool. It was. So, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't have one of those because that seems really sweet. But on top of that, I would have this wand system, and everything that I needed was on the stick, <laughs> and it'd be fantastic. It looks like you can also power this thing off a of USB. So, you nice. know, USB power bank or any anything that can convert to a usb signal i mean that's that's easy that's so. cool really cool so i mean does does this conclude our conversation on the dji <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I was actually going to suggest maybe we just make this an audio episode as it is since it's a podcast. And let's just talk about the Rode Video Micro. Yeah, let's do it. Obviously, like the Rode Video Micro, I use it. You have one. You have a, you had a Rode. I have a Rode Video Mic. Yeah, Rode Video Mic, which has a battery on it. Mm-hmm. And like the different levels of those Rode mics, it's like these ones have batteries and these ones don't. And the ones that have batteries, some of them will auto power on and auto power off and some won't so that you can forget to turn it off and then it runs out of batteries. Yeah, yeah, mine's like that. You have to remember to turn it off. Yeah. And so, but like for most of what you've been, you've used it for, I mean, your on-camera audio is like vlog or scratch audio. Yeah. And you bought a video a video micro and you use that in over this other more fancy mic right? most, almost all the time almost all the time so it's like the video micro is so small it doesn't require battery it gets good enough sound for most any like scratch or local recording things that like if you're if you just need something that's a step better mm-hmm. than what's on your camera cuz anyone listening to this please don't record using on camera microphones <laughs> The Rode Video Micro is like 60 bucks. Yeah. And like it's it's totally worth the upgrade over the top of it. I agree. Though I have a Deity dual uh microphone in my cart. And how much is that one? It's uh it's like 80 bucks. It's pretty and, good. And it records both ways. So if you want to record from behind the camera and in front of the camera, honestly w- worth it probably. Yeah. So I'm 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 going to buy one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I said that on episode like 3 of this podcast. They still haven't done it. But it's going to happen. You're going to buy that and you're going to buy that Helios lens. Oh my gosh, I want that Helios lens. So the reason I like the video micro is is twofold. Um, one is that it's so small. You know, shooting APS-C, if I think about like the size of a prime lens and having some spots in my bag that are made to hold a prime lens, I find that the video micro is small enough that I can stuff it into that same slot. Yeah, so like most... If you're thinking of like a, of the layout of a lens bag where it's like you have all the stupid Velcro, stupid things, uh, most of those are about five and a half inches high. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you have a, like a prime lens that's shorter than six inches, you can stick it in there. And if not, you have to lay it long ways. And then, I mean, long ways is premium real estate for yeah. a photo bag. Unless you're using a more professional bag, such as the Peak Design Travel Backpack uh-huh. 45 liter, right. which is 6.2 two five inches deep so you can actually stack things lens on top of each other and then create All right, more save, space. save it for the youtube video anyways uh so like prime real estate but so what you're saying prime real estate hey yo it's actually like zoom real estate <laughs> so what you're saying is like the video micro you can fit into the vertical stack orientation and you don't have to take up you know, double width yeah, in order to stick exactly, it in your bag. Exactly, which is really nice. And the other thing is something that's going to be rele- relevant in a moment, but I actually like that the video micro has a wider pickup pattern. So my video mic, besides being much larger, is a shotgun style microphone. It's It has like a cardioid or super cardioid pickup pattern, so it's very directional. The video micro, the original one, has a wider pickup pattern. It's not omnidirectional, but I think it's just cardioid. So you get quite a bit of environmental, you know, audio off to the sides and stuff. And I've found that to be pretty useful because I'm trying to get like B-roll audio. If I want it, if I want to just capture the sounds of what it's like to be in this place, I don't necessarily want it to be directional. I kind of like that you can pick things up in, in a pretty wide range. And so that's something I've used it for. I got, I got some bad news for you, Daniel. What's what's the news? The Video Micro 2, which is what we're talking about, has a more narrow cardioid yeah, pattern. They changed that. Mm-hmm. And they changed that in a way that I imagine most people will like. But I think that is a notable change that you need to consider when you're buying a microphone like this. What else is different about the new Video Micro 2 
ultra compact camera mount shotgun microphone for cameras and smartphones. Oh, that's a that's a nice uh, that name really just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Sure does. I mean, so it's it's the same in terms of not requiring a battery. That's nice. It seems like they changed the shock mount. They've got some kind of fancier mm-hmm. thing here, which is probably needed because the one on the video micro is pretty bad. Man, if you don't. So the way that the original one works, it has like the uh, the tightening screw piece that you know, cinches it down onto mm-hmm. your cold shoe or hot shoe has a bunch of notches in it. And then you feed the wire off of the micro and kind of, you know, wedge it into one of the notches. If you don't do that on the original micro, that thing like wobbles around like crazy. Yeah. It's like, it's ridiculous. This new shock seems like it's a little more stable than that. It looks significantly smaller. And so if you use the foam head instead of, instead of the dead cat on it for wind, wind cutting, it seems like this could be much more streamlined and sleek and smaller. Um, I mean, I don't, we haven't, obviously we, I don't have one in our hands to test yet or ever. I don't know. I'm not going to buy one of these. But I mean, it seems like it seems like it's a it's an improvement as mm-hmm. far as the shock mount. It looks like they include both. So you get the dead cat and the foam head. That's not something they did before. The no. one that I had only came with the yeah. dead cat. Uh, yeah, mine also had the dead cat. And I often find myself pulling that off because it's kind of bulky. And if I'm indoors and don't think I'm going to have, you know, wind blowing around, then I just yeah. take it off. You it's don't too need big. it. But then like the, the shock mount, I mean, it looks like you have like like this, this microphone sticking out and it's like blah, 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 blah. It just wiggles around like crazy. Yeah. Start yeah. smacking your camera. Yep. Getting weird sounds. Yep. yep. So nice upgrade. It's a little more expensive. It's $80. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would go with this over the original one. For sure. Yeah. So it's a nice, nice little upgrade to probably the microphone to start with for really anyone who's getting into getting into shooting on a hybrid hybrid camera system. I almost feel like why not buy this? Like yeah. I have I have a, a shotgun mic and I have a, a compressed a compressed. Jeez, a dynamic microphone for this podcast, and I have a, a whatever. What is it? A what's the word? What am I looking for? Compressed? No. What kind of microphone do you have? A uh, condenser. Thank you. I have a I have a condenser wide pattern microphone, and then I guess I have the, the video micro. So like I have all these microphones, and but even though I have all this stuff, if I didn't have the video micro, would still buy it. Yeah, because it's great for scratch, and it's a nice just. I mean, it's small, easy, just plop it on your camera and all of a sudden you have better better audio it's a good default a lot of times when i go shoot events and stuff i don't want to take a big microphone it's not a major need of what i'm doing but the video micro is so small that it's it feels like nothing to just take it with me and pop it on the camera and then if i need audio i have it so i think it's useful for that yeah i do you know kind of a bummer that it's more cardioid than the previous it'd be nice it was a little wider yeah what i found is you know most of the stuff that i'm recording with the video micro these days are you know, home videos, just kind of, you know, here's some shots of the dog or person talking about their garden or whatever. Memories, going on a trip, that sort of thing. Right. And for that stuff, even just the, the forward-facing mic's not enough, which is why, I mean, I feel like I would buy this uh, V-Mic D4 Duo Dual Capsule Deity Microphone <laughs> for those who need to record in a cardio pattern forward and backwards. And I think it, it does it in two separate channels, right? So you... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can you can cut out one or the other if you need to, which I think is useful. You know, previously the, the video micro was what, like fifty or sixty bucks mm-hmm. for the for the version one. The D eighty D four I think is seventy or eighty total. Yeah, that's wow. not bad. Look, man, this one this one's fifty. So like basically the same price. Here we go. It's a seventy dollars. So I mean the the new video micro two in comparison to the deity is it's basically the same price. Yeah. And so you kind of have to decide, you know, what are you wanting to capture? A lot of different versions of these small, tiny, non-battery powered on-camera microphones. 
I think for me, I'd rather go with the Deity, but these upgrades to the Video Micro seem pretty yeah. nice. If you're, you're like, or if you just really want a road. Yeah. This, if, you, if you like red more than yellow. Sure. If you like red more than yellow. I know. I like it. Yeah. It's a cute, cute little microphone. Yeah. It's a small neat. little update, but I mean, I think it's worth covering because it's, I mean, this is like the, the mic to buy, right? Just to have one. Even if you have a thousand other mics that cost a thousand other dollars, you probably need one of these in your kit. Yeah. I agree. All right. Cool. Cool. Man, that is a lot of audio discussion. It was a lot of audio discussion. Yeah. I didn't think we were going to go down a Zoom tangent. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to, man. Sometimes that 32-bit float just draws you in. <laughs> all encompassing, all capturing. Yes. Yeah. I just like those Zoom products. I know there's like a bunch of other options out there as far as audio gear systems, but the Zoom for me has just been so good that yeah. I, I would absolutely go back and buy another Zoom product. Yeah. I mean, I bought a used one and when I got it, the casing of it, you know, it's kind of a rubber and it was it, it did that thing that rubber does over time where it gets sticky. And yeah. I, I decided to contact Zoom to see if I could get, you know, if there was some way I could get it fixed. You know, if they, mm-hmm. they would have advice for me on how to clean it or if I could pay them money to have them fix it. I just said, hey, I've got this problem. What should I do about it? And I, immediately, like, it, it felt like it was you know, within an hour or something, they had replied to me and said, oh, actually, this is a known issue. This shouldn't happen. We're going to have you mail it back to us and we'll send you a new one. And that's what they did. And they just totally replaced this thing for this issue that didn't affect the functionality. And I wasn't even asking for a replacement. So I think they're a good company and I do like their products a lot. Yeah, definitely. Real, real big win there. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. I have this thing, which the longer I've had it, the more I find it hard to find on the internet. Like it doesn't exist, but it's a, it's called a power junkie and it receives an NPF battery on one side and on the other side, um, it's, it's like the size, like imagine the size of like a credit card, but okay. you know, a centimeter thick. And on one side it receives a NPF battery and on the other side it has a quarter inch jack, um, can, you know, screw so you can screw into it. Um, which I've usually done like a cold shoe, but on, then on the back, it has two USB-A ports and a barrel jack. So you can run power out or I guess mm-hmm. you wouldn't run power in. And then it has barrel jacks on the side as well, or USB-C and a, U- a micro USB and a USB-C on the side for power in, power out. And you basically can like slap this puppy on your camera and power everything you need to power as far as like your monitor or this other microphone or, you know, your follow focus or whatever. And so if you need juice and you want to run on NPF and you want to like power the camera off NPF with a dummy battery, you can run that into the barrel jack. And it was just like, it was a Kickstarter thing. I bought it. It works pretty good for whenever I have like a long shoot and I need to slap like a 970 on it Mm -hmm. and have it just run forever. It's been pretty good for that. Yeah. And the company that makes Power Junkie, I guess they're called Power Junkie? Sure. No, they're called Blindspot. Blindspot. Thank you. Blindspot. It's coming out with Power Junkie version dose what can you tell me about it so it definitely looks like an improvement over the existing one you said yours has one barrel jack and two usba ports does that sound right yeah that sounds right yeah so this new one supports usb-c nice and it supports usb-c power delivery which is that's huge so mine does have a usb-c port on it okay but it's not power i don't think it's power delivery yeah, yeah. So that's that's meaningful because a lot of cameras now can be powered over USB PD. But you can use the power junkie to charge your NPF batteries. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so that, it's like you can you can use it for your on camera, but then when you need to charge, you just plug into it. And yeah, you know, you go on a trip, you don't have to take an extra NPF charger. You can just right. use this with your MacBook charger. With or this whatever. having power delivery is huge. Because yep. I don't know if you know this, Daniel, but NPF batteries take an eternity to charge. Yes, they do. Yeah, and so hopefully with USB PD, it'll be a little bit faster. 
This also has two barrel jacks. Uh, One is 7 to 8.4 volts, which is about the voltage of an NPF battery. Right. And then the other one is 12 volts. So you could use that to to power uh, higher power things. Yeah, so that's new. So the the version one did not have the 12 volt Mm -hmm. uh, power output. Yeah. It was seven point whatever. So you could you could charge you could run your usually that's that's the camera. Like most of your cameras are seven point one to seven point five, somewhere yep. around there as far as the battery. You know, or like a monitor or something. Sure. Yeah, you could feed that. that out. The other big feature is that it now has an on off switch. Oh really? Yeah. Which is nice because that way you don't have to remove your battery. That is nice. Yep. That seems really good. Yeah. Now one thing I don't like about the on off switch is that it's not a switch, it's a button. So you got to do like this long press nonsense to turn it on and off. I hate that. I hate things that require a long press to turn on or off. So you never know how long, you never know how long to hold it. Or like maybe you mispress it the first time and now you're holding it for Mm -hmm. no reason. Then you Mm -hmm. have to like let go and hold it again. Yep. (sighs) However, they did also use that to, to add another feature where you can short press the button to turn the display lights on and off. Okay. That's nice. That's useful because the lights are pretty bright. So the display lights show you how much battery you have left and whether or not it's on and off. Mm-hmm. And with my power junkie, I never know how much battery I have left because I covered it up with gaff tape. <laughs> now, the one thing I don't like about this is that let's say you're trying to turn it off. Let's say you don't hold the button long enough. Short press turns the lights off. Oh, no. <laughs> that's not good. No. Yeah. So this is kind of weird. But uh, overall, this thing looks super cool. They show using the, uh, you know, that has a quarter 20 on it. So you could bolt it to a cage or something or a cold shoe adapter, like you said. They also support what looks like a little uh, a little zip tie uh, thingy. So if you wanted to screw this little thing on and then zip tie it to something, they give you a way to do that. I guess that'd be like if you were trying to rig it up and have it run something other than a camera. It looks like it has some sort of like rail or something. Oh, I see. That's the zip tie thing you're yeah. talking about. So you can like strap mm-hmm. it to. Mm-hmm. That's really handy. You know, yeah. part of part of my issue with this thing was was the lack of mounting options. And it does seem like they've really improved that. Yeah. You know, with the it looks like they have a one quarter thread option as well. Well, that's what yours. Oh, says. it runs all the way through too. Yeah, that's, that's what yours nice. says is a quarter twenty. Right, it does. Okay, never yeah. mind. Um, the USB C with uh, USB C PD, they're they're also releasing a set of dummy batteries that work with USB C PD uh, for various cameras, including both uh, common Fuji ones. So that's both nice. both like the XT three one and the XH two S. Yeah, so like that would work well for me because I don't like. Dealing with dummy batteries into the camera is kind of a pain. Having to like feed the battery in and then like move the rubber thing out of the way and get the cable to come out and it's kind of a pain. It's nice to be able to run it into the USB C port, yeah. especially if you have a cage to like do the those like wire clamp mm-hmm. things to hold the cable in place so it doesn't get bent. I guess if you're on a Sony system, you would have to probably get the dummy battery because well, you wouldn't have to, but like if you're running this on anything like a um like a Ronin or if you have for Sony, the usually your shutter release goes to USB-C, yeah. not to a separate shutter release, whatever it is, one eighth inch jack thing. Yep. Um, so like for my Fuji, I can run my shutter release for my remote button press separately from yeah. the USB-C port. You can't do it with a Sony. So you kind of have to go with a dummy battery for some cases to keep that USB-C port open. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to say. Nice to have the option. It's hard to say. I do like that you can, you can or don't have to use it. I mean, you have the choice, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times I do prefer a dummy battery because I feel like it's a little more robust. I don't really like having a cable sticking out the side of my camera. Yeah. And so dummy battery is nice for that. And that's a really good point. It's cool. You have the option. So what are your thoughts on like something like this versus something like a 
small rig, not small rig, a small HD, or I guess it was only small HD, small HD or some other monitor, I don't know if the ninjas do it, that is feeding power back to the camera from the monitor and then using the monitor as your power source. I would rather have this over that because I feel like I may not always want to have the monitor on my camera. And if I'm using that as my power source, it's kind of requiring that, just kind of a unfortunate thing. And I also like that this has other uses. I mean, we were just talking about Zoom recorders. I could easily see getting one of these and using it to power a Zoom recorder in the field. So I feel like you get more flexibility with this. Yeah, the AA batteries that power the Zoom H4n Pro last so shortly yeah that but you can power it via barrel jack and so i always externally power my zoom whenever i use it because i just don't want to deal with the batteries yeah so yeah, yeah. Something, something like this like could this be could work i mean be with that belt strap thing i mean if you had a f3 zoom and you had strapped it to your pole for your pole system you could strap this to your pole there you also go. There you and now go. you got two things on yeah. your pole Perfect. you can counterweight them well and that that actually brings up another thing that i think is better about this over a monitor is that I, I've actually wanted to get something like this instead of even having a battery in my monitor at all. Because if you have a monitor, it's probably on the top of your camera right. rig. And so you've got a, you put a battery in there, you've got a lot of weight on the top of your camera rig and it's kind of unbalanced. Right. It seems like with this, you could put it on the bottom or you know low on the cage and then maybe that increases your uh, or improves your center of gravity a little bit. Oh, it's got a light four power delivery. I like that the ports are on the top also now. That oh, were they cool. not before? No, they were on the side. Mm. That's kind of like I kind of like with the port because then if you mount it, you can kind of plug straight into the side. Yeah. Interesting. Now but, here's the here's the real question though: this or V mount? That was what I was going to ask you, Daniel. <laughs> oh man, you beat me to it. I like V mount a lot, but V mount batteries are expensive. They're also big and they're huge. But also they look way more professional. I don't know of any V-mount battery plates that do what this does. Because this is a charging system and it has all the barrel jacks and the USB ports and supports power delivery and all this stuff. I mean, is is there a competitive V-mount product that does this? I think there might be, but you don't even need a competitive V-mount plate because the small HD V-mount batteries have some interesting capabilities. Go on. Small HD V-mount battery. 50 watt hours, $180. This thing has a D-tap on it, which is like the standard, you know, V-mount output. It also has a USB-A output, two DC barrel outputs, and a USB-C input and output. So okay. small HD V-mount battery basically has Power Junkie built into it. That's cool. Yep. How much, how many watt hours is a standard? Okay, so a standard 970 is 74 watt hours. I'm, I'm looking at this um, ZILR 74.37 watt hour L-series NPF 970 Whoa. lithium battery on. That's that's surprising. And it supports USB-C PD on the battery? So you can... Sick! You, I, I looked up the 50 watt hour. They also have a... Oh my gosh, I want this so bad right now. Hold on. Everybody stop everything right now. I'm looking at this battery on B&H. And it has a USB-C port on it and a button so you can see the, the levels mm-hmm. of, you know, how much battery it has. It's 60 bucks, which means it's probably going to explode. But you could run, they're showing you sticking it in a Ninja and then running the USB-C out to power something else. That's pretty cool. Really cool. Problem solved. Yep. It's cheaper too. Okay, you can continue. I I think I want one of these 
small HD ones, man. Honestly, okay. like the they or small rig. Sorry, they they make a uh, fifty watt hour, a ninety nine watt hour, and a hundred and fifty watt hour. Yeah. So that's the advantage of V mount is like you can get more battery, mo battery, mo battery, and. I mean, they're, they're bigger, but it's kind of like, what do you want? You want MPF? It's smaller, cheaper, but like the V-mounts seem to just kind of last longer. But yeah. That's probably just because they have more capacity. And if you have lights, most lights take V-mount mm-hmm. unless you have that super, super sweet aperture COB. Yep. Because those, those will take those will take anything. Mm-hmm. They won't take anything. They take MPF and V-mount. If I was looking and if the only thing I needed power was my little camera rig and I didn't need tons of power... I think the power junkie is what I'd go with because the batteries are pretty cheap. And, it, you know, I may already have some batteries if I have something like a Ninja or a monitor or something. So, like, and this this thing's pretty affordable. This power junkie is like 60 bucks or something. Yeah, so it's not bad. Yeah. And then you have the advantage of having, say, you like, you can use smaller batteries so it's lighter. But say mm-hmm. we're using, like, the five, 540s, you could have four of them yeah. for $100. Yeah, it's just a, it's a much cheaper product, and that's going to be appealing to a lot of people. If you're doing more professional stuff, if you've got a bunch of lights that can run on a V-mount battery, and if you're doing a lot of things away from power outlets, then, I mean, I think V-mount is still a better long-term play. Sure, yeah. It feeds more. It's more professional mm-hmm. system, sort of. I mean, like, we've used both on professional shoots, but, sure. the I mean, V-mount is the bee's knees, but that's yeah. also why, you know, you can spend $500 on a battery. Different, uh, different tools for different jobs, but this power junkie thing looks pretty neat. It's on Kickstarter right now, but they have done, they say this is their eighth Kickstarter. So feels pretty trustworthy as far as Kickstarters go. Yeah. They, I mean, they've already have a shipping product. They Yeah. They say this new one is already rolling off the factory line and they're mm-hmm. hoping to ship them in March, 2023. You nice. know, so, so I mean, honestly, probably by the time people hear this, it will basically be shipping. That's cool. So pretty reliable. I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested in this as like a low profile, uh, you know, extra power source for a camera rig. Yeah. Like if I didn't already have one, I would be, I would probably consider getting it. Yeah. Um, I, the one that I have has been nice. I've, been, I've enjoyed using it. And, you know, mm-hmm. when I need to set up like, you know, a full, a full rig where I'm powering more than just like, I want to power the camera and the monitor and, you know, it may be a third thing. Usually I don't have a third thing, but this will do both and have you covered, you yeah. know, and like if you have the zoom nearby, you can power that too. And so it's just, I have done this where I was recording Jeez, I think I was running the Ninja separately, but I was running small HD and zoom and camera. And if the original power junkie can't do all three at once, <laughs> too, too it, much could, power. it could not keep up with the power draw of the camera and the camera ran out of battery and I had yeah. to move the zoom onto a separate, a separate thing. So yeah. you, it can do all those things, but it may not have enough wattage output. Um, it looks like with the 12, the 12 volt option, maybe this one can do more, but that's probably just a limit of NPF discharge actually. Yeah. So yeah. I guess keep that in mind that like if you're shooting you know, a heavy codec that is a big, big power draw off your camera, doing that plus a monitor plus uh, an audio recorder is probably going to be too much for these things. Yeah. Neat product. Very neat. And, you know, it's just good to see options at all ranges of the spectrum. You know, not everybody needs V-mount. This is a lot cheaper. You know what would really make my life better is if power tools ran on V-mount. <laughs> Because then I could justify buying all kinds of V-mounts. Yeah, I'd be like, could. here's my V-mount from a chainsaw. Here's my V-mount from a weed whacker. And uh, here's my V-mount from my, my leaf blower. And it's like, and then and then no one's asking like, Lucas, why did you spend $1,000 on batteries? It's like, because we have all these tools. Yeah. And also it powers my camera gear and my lights. <laughs> what? Well, maybe that's your million dollar idea. That's it. That's it. We're, I'm starting a power tool brand that runs on V-mount. <laughs> you guys can find me on Kickstarter. What am I going to call it? Oh boy. V, V tools. No, 
it's not good. The, mm, I'm going to workshop it. All right. Come back next week. All Let right. us know. <laughs> Everyone tune in next week. <laughs> we'll reveal the name of my power tool brand. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm sure everybody's going to tune in for that. Yep. All right. We good for today? I think we're good. <laughs> Sounds good. That's it for the show today. Thanks for listening. And we'd encourage you to rate the show on iTunes and tell a friend, but only if you enjoyed it. You can find out more about us on our website at cameragearpodcast.com. We'll be back with more next week.